Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join pastors Michael and Heather Jarreau and their passion to help you live out your best life. We hope you enjoyed today's encouraging and uplifting message. Can you help me say goodbye to our kids now as we begin to reminisce? As we open our hearts to what God would have and reminisce on Saved by the Bell, taking ourselves back into the 90s. How many of you watch this show, show of hands? Anybody watch this show? Pretty popular show, considered a cultural phenomenon. Shocking, given the poor acting and the corny subject matter and the awkward situations, right? But I love Saved by the Bell for several reasons. It takes us back to simpler times, doesn't it? High school. It aired. This show aired from 1989 to 1993. I know this because these are the years that I was in high school, okay? And I was a little bit more of a 90210 girl myself, but I did catch the random episode of Saved by the Bell here and there. I know. You're all doing the math. You're terrible, mean, rude people. You're calculating my age right now instead of listening to my fun memories about Saved by the Bell. Okay. 44. All right. Um, <laughs> but we're going back to, to, to the 90s to reminisce and to basically talk about, instead of TGIF, right, talk about thank God it's Sunday and add value to what Sundays should be, remind ourselves what Sundays are, and then place priority on value. Did you know that? That's what we do. We prioritize what we value. And so today we're going to go back, and this is such a fun thing. I don't know, who is it? Zach, Kelly, right? They were the, the two main love interests. Slater, right? Screech, who had the weirdest voice. And then, of course, Lisa and Jesse, and then Mr. Belding, okay? Chronicling the life and times of Bayside High. These kids were unique because they never went home. They were always either at high school or at their little hot spot eating place called The Max. They literally didn't have families, which I thought was odd when I watched the show. Maybe it never occurred to you. But uh, in the midst of it all, it's, it, it was an endearing show because friendship always conquered, didn't it? Friendship conquered all, and they would have high school drama and situations and whatever the circumstance was. They always came around that the the core group of kids stuck together, got through it together, and it was always a happy ending. So it was sure to please and never to disappoint, right? And uh, did you know, did you know that um, there is a reboot for Saved by the Bell? Yes. I don't know how it is that we, every single show that we chose for this series has been in the news in the last couple of weeks, like leading up to the day that we're going to talk about it. Yes. Big scandal because Zach and Kelly are not included in the reboot. Yeah. So it's making headlines because, you know, the press is coming to all the main characters and those two are like, no, we didn't know anything about it, but they are working on a saved by the bell reboot. Some of you might be like, wait a minute, it went beyond 1993 into the college years, but that was just later. The main characters were all in that four-year, right, that four-year span. Did you know that for the duration of the 
airing of this show that Zach was actually dating Lisa? Mind blown. Okay. Well, you know what? One of the great things for me, I'll just speak for myself, of reminiscing back to the 90s besides a laugh, besides reminding myself, right, of what standard definition looked like, (laughs) and just having a good laugh about what things used to be like, look like, sound like, what the culture was of the time, it does hearken us back to a simpler day and a simpler time. As a mom of teenagers, I think it's beautiful that none of the kids in the show have phones in their hand. Ah, yes. Or earbuds surgically attached to their ears. I think it's awesome, right? It was a simpler time. And it reminds you that the things that you thought were a big deal back then, because I remember. Like, isn't it funny how a song plays or you see an old movie and it reminds you exactly where you were at that point in your life? And it reminds you of even some of the things that you were thinking about, some of the things that were taking up the emotional energy or mental space in your life. And I, I think it's so awesome to look back at this because the things that you thought were a big deal, they're not a big deal anymore, right? And I know that everyone has hard stuff that they're going through, but I'm talking, I'll speak for myself, right? This takes me back to a simpler and a sweeter time and reminds me that, you know what, if God got me through then, he can get me through now, right? And so I want to turn it now and, and, and introduce our topic for this week. Thank God it's Sunday because I need faith. How many of you need a fresh infilling of faith this morning? Thank God it's Sunday because, you know, like the natural maturing process, God really opens up for us in this book his plan, his purpose, and his idea for this journey that you and I are on as individuals, this journey of faith, this learning to trust him, this, this growing in him. You know, King David said, I, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord, because there were things that happened in the house of God that you couldn't get on your own. And we live in a time where some people say, it's all about being together in church. And then there's some people say, no, it's all about being by myself with Jesus. We're an and both church. Aren't you glad? We're all about your individual relationship with Christ, but we're all about us as a church family coming together and understanding that it's not just a good idea, but it's God's idea for your life, for your, for your maximum growth potential that you gather, that you have a church family, that you come to the house of God and that you put, place value and priority on that in your life because it is how he is, it is his plan, right? It is his equation for spiritual growth and transformation. Paul encouraged, uh, the Apostle Paul encouraged this maturing process, this maturing of our faith in the Bible when he, um, when he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He said, when I was a child... I spoke about childish matters. Anyone relate? For I saw things like a child, and I reasoned like a child, but the day came when I matured, and I set aside my childish ways. So we acknowledge that there is a growth process, both physical in your life, emotional, mental, right? Spiritual. Spiritual is no different. That we grow spiritually and that we grow in faith. This faith journey is described once again in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 17, beautifully in the Passion Translation, and I want you to take a look at this real quick. It says, this gospel, the gospel of Jesus, unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. 
And it moves us from receiving life through faith to, did I say removes? It moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. Let's keep the scripture up for just a minute because I want to show you a couple things that jump out at me in this scripture. It says this gospel unveils a continual revelation, but then it says that it's a perfect portion is given to us when we believe. Do you know that all of God's perfect righteousness is put on you the moment you believe in Jesus? But then there is the human responsibility, the human side of growing in faith that comes on us as believers for us to engage our faith. And there is a continual revelation and walking out of our faith. Does that make sense? It's important for us to understand because you're not earning this perfect portion of righteousness when you come to Jesus, when you embark on a relationship with Christ, when you accept him into your heart. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't know what that is, but I want you to stick with me because we're going to give you an opportunity here in a moment to learn for yourself. But as Christians, as believers, when we accept Christ into our life, we begin a transformative journey. That doesn't mean that he doesn't give it all to us right then, right? But we have to walk it out. We have to live it out. We have to see it kind of manifest for ourselves. So it says, this gospel unveils a continual revelation. It's what you're going to walk out tomorrow. It's the next day. It's Friday when you're driving home from work, right? It is a daily walk of faith. So it's a continual revelation of God's righteousness that you receive when you believe. Aren't you glad that everything you need, he's given you? He's given you access. Maybe you're like, I don't feel like I have everything I need. He's given you access. Maybe that's a good way to say it. He's given you access to everything you need for life and godliness, the Bible says. And it's through faith that we trust him and believe him. And then it goes on to say, and it removes us from receiving life And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. So we receive it, that initial receiving that I had just said, to living out our lives by faith. What a powerful uh, kind of description of how we grow in our faith. The Bible talks about how we go from faith to faith, right? How we go from faith to faith. How we grow in our spirit, line upon line, precept upon precept. And it's a personal revelation of God in our own lives as our spirit grows and comes alive to him and is connected to the spirit of God. Do you know today that your spirit is connected to the spirit of God if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus? That's exciting news. So, thank God it's Sunday because I need faith. Let me tell you why we need to come here to receive faith. The Bible says very simply, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I know that last week we talked about, um, Michael talked about fulfillment, right? I talked about serving, living a life of servanthood. When we come to church on Sundays, we come not just to receive, but to give something, correct? And we talked about that that last week. But I want to talk to you this week about what you can come expecting to receive from God on a Sunday. Thank God it's Sunday because you know what? Maybe I've had a bad week. Maybe I've had a good week. And I have new opportunities ahead of me. And I need more faith to trust 
trust God for more success. Amen? You need faith to trust God in success just as much as you need faith to trust God in failure. Amen? You need faith to trust God in a new relationship just as much as you need a new installment of faith to trust him in an old relationship. And God is always faithful, but faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So to grow in God, we must be in the word. We must be in a place where the word is being taught with clarity. Come on, with boldness in the full, in the full counsel of God. We must be in an, an environment where not only we are reading our Bibles at home as we are encouraged to each and every week, but you have pastors, trusted leaders who are unpacking what the Bible says and how it applies to you. Because I'm here to tell you this morning, faith is a decision. I can hear the word and I can walk away and I can remain unchanged. It's totally possible. We see it all the time. We see people that lit, that sit in church, they hear the Bible and it doesn't change their lives. It doesn't change their minds. It's something that you as a believer have to say yes to. Amen. It's something that you have as a believer have to not just mentally assent, but actually take it in and walk out those principles and allow them to change how you think, therefore how you feel, therefore how you act and live out your life. So I want to take a few minutes today to kind of highlight how growing in faith can really directly affect some areas of our lives. I don't see a clock, Temmie, so I just want to let you know that. We could be here all day. I don't see one very clear. Oh, yes, it's right up in the little tiny corner where I can't see. Okay. (laughs) Um, So today I want to talk to you why it's so important for you to grow in faith, why it's so important for you um, to make that decision. Because faith is a decision to believe God, to take him at his word. Faith is a decision to say, this is what the Bible says about my God, and this is what the Bible says about me. How many of us struggle under the weight of what we've been told we are our whole lives, and it is not what the Bible says about us? How many of us have taken on the labels and the titles and the limits that the world has placed on us when God gives us freedom? Come on. He gives us freedom. He gives us deliverance. He gives us um, an ability to walk out of the things that have held us back. Wrong thinking. These things that take hold of our lives, that take hold of us, and through faith, our lives are transformed. And we know that this is not an external process. When we come to faith, God doesn't change all of the things outside of our lives and then eventually get to our hearts. So maybe you're here today and you're like, I trust, I'm believing God, I'm trying, but I'm not seeing a lot changing. The Bible says that the faith process is not just an outward thing, it's an internal transformation. And suddenly you realize as you walk out this journey of faith that these situations and circumstances around you are changing. Guess why? Because you're changing. If all you've ever had is bad relationships... Evidence tells you you're the single thing that's been in each of those relationships. So maybe the problem is you, right? And not all those evil people. I don't know. Just offering. Okay. The idea of transformative faith, the idea of engaging our faith and allowing God to transform us in here so that our lives can be transformed on the outside. (laughs) The Apostle John was exiled at the end of his life 
to an island called Patmos. And he wrote letters back to the church. And in 3 John 1 verse 2, he's writing this letter to the church and he says, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. There is a connection between your faith and the condition of your soul. And so today I want to take this idea of growing in faith through the word and growing in faith and setting value and priority on, thank God it's Sunday, right? Because I need more faith because I know God has more for me and he wants to continue that transformative process and I can't do it without soaking in his word. Come on, I can't do it without growing in my faith and being inspired to believe and to take hold of the things that he says in this book. There is a strong connection between your faith and the condition of your soul. And this is heavy on my heart because I feel like there's an epidemic around us all the time. There's an epidemic around us in our nation, in our country. I'm not going to speak for the world. I'll just say that I see in people around me, and it's a broken soul. I see fear. I see worry. I see anxiety. Come on. And I'm going to say something here. I'm going to just make, do a quick qualifier because I think it's important to understand. We don't always talk about mental health issues at church. And it's important that people that struggle with mental health issues get the right and real help that they need. Amen? That they go to doctors and they get the medicine they need and they get the counseling that they need so they can work through their issues. But I also want to tell you today that there is a God in heaven who can help you who can help you, who can free you from anxiety and fear and worry and the stress and the strain that you carry. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden. Are you stressed out? You feel exhausted? You don't have the capacity or the bandwidth to care about one more thing? He says, I will give you rest. I am the answer. I am the answer. I want to read to you a verse, and then we're going to establish a couple thoughts. Somebody in the back says, that's true. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6 and 7, and this is where we're going to find the rest of our points this morning. It says, it says some hard things. It says, be anxious for nothing. It's kind of a high, yeah. high order, right? Yeah. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We're going to break up these verses into two, and we're going to talk about, number one, in the presence of faith, fear and anxiety must go. In the presence of faith, fear and anxiety must go. I already gave you my qualifier. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not minimizing if you have a real anxiety issue. We have people in our family with real anxiety issues, and I get that. But I'm telling you here today that God wants to free you from the anxiety that you carry. And in the book of Philippians, it says, be anxious for nothing. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't a cool idea that we can toy around with. This is, this is the Bible saying, you know what, as a believer, I'm telling you to be anxious for nothing. And so then it goes on to say, but in everything with prayer and supplication, go to God. I want to ask us, I want to ask myself today, what is your go-to? Is it the word? where your faith will be built up and you'll be reminded of his truth? 
Or is it internalizing? Is it self-medicating? Is it posting and venting? It's quiet in here this morning. What is my go-to? Because here we are, believers, Christians. The, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And it's able to quicken our bodies so that we can be above the things that used to get us down. Regardless of our past, the enemy is so afraid of us walking out of our past and into our future that he doesn't want us to tap into the truth. He wants us to compartmentalize and go to church and say, okay, check the box. I did my spiritual deed for the day, for the week, whatever it is, right? But he doesn't want us to actually say yes to faith and allow our faith to grow and allow our spirit to grow stronger than our flesh, for our faith to grow stronger than the doubt, than the worry, than the fear, than the thing that keeps you up at night. In Christ, we can live free of the anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, come to me first. Come to me first. Here's the passion translation of verse 6 of Philippians 4. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. You know, this was a time of conflict that this book was written. This was a time where fear was rampant, where Christians were being killed in the streets. This was not a great time to be a believer. And we see here... It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faith-filled requests before God. Your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Don't think you have to hide your details from God because you know what? He's not surprised he's with you anyway. He sees it all anyway. And he loves you anyway. And the enemy comes to cause us to be isolated. Isn't that just his plan? He can't actually convince you that God isn't real and that his love for you is limited, but he can isolate you in your anxiety. Oh yes. He can cause you to lose sight of the greatness and the goodness of our God. And he can cause you to internalize and live in denial and push these things down instead of going to God and pouring out your every detail to him. God is not afraid of our details. He's not afraid of our complaints. King David wrote a whole book of the Bible practically all about how ticked off he was because everybody else was prospering and he wasn't. Come on. God said about David, he is a man after my own heart. He did terrible things, things that would disqualify us from probably walking in church. So we would think we serve a God who is so great, who is so big. He's not afraid of those things, but the enemy knows if we get a revelation of his goodness, if we're willing to really engage our faith, if we're really willing to believe what the Bible says, if we're, if we're in church every Sunday and we're getting that injection of faith, here's the thing. Don't pray for faith. That's not how you really get it. I hope that's not heresy. There's nowhere in the Bible that it says, Pray for faith, except for one of the guys who Jesus comes and he heals his son and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. And then one other time where they ripped the roof off, it was the faith of friends that brought someone to healing. But there is nowhere that says, if you pray hard enough, your faith will grow. It says, no, faith comes by hearing the word. 
If the enemy can keep you from hearing the word, if the enemy can convince you that you don't have a sword in your hand, if the enemy can convince you that your faith is smaller than everybody else's, and surely the person holding the microphone up here has more faith than you know. The, the shield of faith in the Bible is standard issue. Every single warrior gets one. It's the same. It's the same. And they are designed to interconnect and stand together against the enemy in the hardest times. And the Bible says you don't have to be anxious for anything, but you do have to fight the fight of faith. You have to go to God. You have to engage your faith. You have to believe, you know what? I'm not going to go to the alcohol that helps me feel calm. I'm not going to go to this, you know, Netflix binging thing when I, everyone watches Netflix, you know, but if we're doing these things to escape instead of going to Jesus for what we need, we're not growing in faith. Watch Netflix. Do it to relax. Don't do it to escape the thing that God is handing you, the key. He's handing you the open door. He's saying to you, trust me, lean in, come to me in prayer, ask me with faith-filled prayers, and I will meet you where you are. Second half of that, those verses in Philippians says this, when we do this, when we engage our faith, when we go to God and he's our source, it says the peace of God which passes understanding, it passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm here to tell you today, there is a peace that passes understanding. It's a peace that doesn't make sense in the midst of your circumstance. It's a peace that you shouldn't have because you still have the cancer. You shouldn't have that peace because you still have the diagnosis. You shouldn't have that peace because you still have the, the, the results from a negative test. You shouldn't have peace because in your mind and in your view, you see your relationship failing. You shouldn't have that peace because you know what your bank account looks, but the God, God says the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. He makes us a promise Yet I see believers all the time. They write it on those cards. They're struggling. They're drowning in their own fear and anxiety. Help me, help me, help me. God comes to say, and I say this so carefully, help yourself. Thank God it's Sunday because I need to be in the house of God. There is freedom in the house of God. There is hope in the house of God. There is answers in the house of God. I don't know how. I've stayed married for this many years. It's because we're in church, guys. It's because Jesus is the center. It's because faith is real. How can you raise a family and how can you live your best life and how can you have success in the area that God has put that dream in your heart? Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be marriage and a family. It could be anything. It's found in Christ. It's found in faith. And the only thing that the enemy can do is sell you a counterfeit. The only thing he can do is tell you lies. Isolate. You're not worthy. You shouldn't go to church today because you know what? You're really anxious. You're full of fear. You made all those mistakes. God doesn't care about that. He says, come unto me, everyone. Everyone come to me. My forgiveness is for everyone. My goodness is available to everyone. There's no rating. There's no second-class citizens. All are welcome. Amen? Thank God it's Sunday because I need faith. I need faith because I need my soul to be healthy. 
let's be done with compartmentalizing our spirituality and realize that a healthy body is intertwined with a healthy soul, is intertwined with a healthy spirit. And the people that Jesus lives inside of are the best of the best, right? Because we're full of faith. And it doesn't mean our lives are perfect, but the peace of God that passes understanding in the midst of the storm guards our hearts, guards our minds, and we make it through, and we make it through together. We do it in community. Psalm 119, 165 says this, there is such a great peace and well-being that comes to the lovers of your word, and they will never be offended. That word offended right there does not mean like turned off by someone or offended like we might think of it. It actually means they will never stumble. The things that trip you up when you're in the word and you have God's peace, you're not so easily tripped up by the plan of the enemy, by the little rocks he sets in the road. It doesn't happen. Because remember, God is guarding. That peace guards your heart. It guards your mind. Psalm 29, 11 says, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I just want to pray. I want to pray over all of us in this room this morning. God, we thank you. Thank you for your peace. God, we thank you for your peace that passes understanding. God, we thank you for your love that's unconditional. We thank you for your love that's never ending. God, we thank you this morning that even now your presence is in this place and maybe something that was said here this morning has inspired someone in this room to let go of the anxiety, to let go of the fear, and to say yes to faith this morning, to say yes to allowing God to transform their life, to do the hard work of fighting to hold on to that faith. God, I just pray all across this room this morning that you would meet each and every person right where they are, right where they are, Jesus, that we would surrender our fear and even our selfishness of wanting to live our own way to saying, God, I'm done trying. I want to live for you. Father, we take this moment to respond to your word right now. If there's anyone here this morning and you've, you would say, you know, I, I have never accepted Christ into my life and I've never said that prayer, we want to give you an opportunity this morning before we go to do just that. And I'm going to ask you real quick that we're... Um, just to look at me real quick for just a moment. If that's you this morning, I don't want to call you out or embarrass you. But in a moment, we're going to bow our heads again. And with every, and with every eye closed, if that's you, just raise your hand slightly so I can see you. Everyone else, eyes closed, head bowed. We're going to pray this out loud all together. So if you want to pray this for the first time, I would love just for myself to know who is it today. Maybe it's a recommitment moment. Maybe you've never prayed this prayer before, but we are so excited to invite you into God's family. Why don't you repeat after me this morning, all of us together, church. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Take my whole life, all of my mistakes and failures, all my fear and anxiety. I lay them at your feet. Forgive me, Lord. Wash my heart clean. I want to live for you. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen.